Hello and welcome to the Doula and Midwife podcast with me, Charlene Yarrod-West, founder of Relaxing to Birth Online Hypnobirthing, and Karen Wilmot, also known as the Virtual Midwife. Hey Charlene, good to be back again this week. We came together to bring you Relaxing to Birth Plus, our comprehensive online antenatal course focusing on labor, birth and beyond, and featuring hypnobirthing techniques and covering all the medical aspects of the birthing process. And here we are to share birth stories, birthing world updates. We interview birth workers from near and far. And also we take the time to answer your burning questions around pregnancy, birth and motherhood. So Karen, how's your week been so far? I actually had a really busy week, both in person and online. Sometimes do locum shifts at the local MOU. So I did two nights there and both nights were very busy, actually. There were two babies one night and one the second night, which is fantastic. They were all beautiful births. One was a fourth baby, one was a second baby, and then the last one was a first baby. But surprisingly, the one who was the first baby, you know, usually first labors can be long. But she had called me and I encouraged her to stay at home a little bit longer. So by the time she came in, she was already like seven centimeters and I popped her into the bath and she spent another hour there and barely an hour after that baby was born and it was a really, really lovely birth. Wow. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. And then online has also been busy because... Um, I'm sure many, well, those, you probably don't know many of the listeners, but I spent a lot of time, the last 12 years, in fact, <laughs> working mm-hmm. in Muscat, Oman. So I still mm-hmm. get a lot of referrals from Oman, and I've been working with a couple online, supporting them through pregnancy. And a similar story to the in-person birth, where um, she went into labor and we had WhatsApp support. And it's quite a big story around this because from 37 weeks, her gynae had been trying to get her to have an induction of labor. And we had to do a lot of negotiating and using the BRAT technique, you know, talking about the benefits, risks, alternatives, and timing. Yes, um, which is included in the course. Absolutely, because it's so important. I mean, so you know, important. you just need to use it so much. So, yes, you know, every single visit, she had to really use that to postpone this induction of labor that we knew wasn't medically necessary and was largely based on the fact that the Ghani was saying she had a big baby, but it was her second baby and she wasn't concerned. It was more the Ghani's concern. So we managed to delay it. And then luckily, and of course, you know, with all the right techniques and relaxation and just trusting, she went into labor spontaneously And I was, you know, that's the amazing thing with online is that we have so much technology available to us that just using WhatsApp, I was able to guide and support her through early labor to stay at home as long as possible. And as I say, similar to the in-person birth that I did, by the time she arrived, she was already nine centimeters and baby was born literally 45 minutes later. So that was the perfect outcome. Oh, that is brilliant. That's brilliant. Mm. I hear what you're oh. saying about the technology aspect and birth. I mean, the in terms of me attending births, they've, a lot of the hospitals have been closed to doulas, and I think this is happening around the world during lockdown. And so just being able to support someone over WhatsApp and empowering the, the, the primary birth partner with her, which is usually mm. the dad, 
just to know, you know, giving him tips on positions and suggestions for physical support. It's just so amazing that we have this technology to do that. Well, you've been supporting a lot of couples virtually, haven't you? Yes, I have been. Both in America, all over Zoom and WhatsApp, and occasionally, you know, the phone gets falls over or the iPad, and then you're just looking up at the roof. But you're still, <laughs> you're still there as a physical, you know, even though not there physically, you're there, you, they know that you're there on, on video. You know, if they need to ask you, they can just reposition the iPad. Yeah, absolutely. I had one who had the nanny cam, and that was great because I could literally oh, watch the brilliant. whole room. So oh, that's it was cool. fantastic. <laughs> that's a very good idea. Much better than you know something that falls over. Yeah, exactly. And how's your week been? Yes, I mean the lifting of the lockdown levels in South Africa has meant that I can be in a few of the hospitals for births, and I attended a birth this week with a mum at hospital so we labored for the beginning part of her labor at home with her dogs and her husband <laughs> and when things started to get more intense we moved over to the hospital where they did the mandatory COVID tests upon arrival luckily those went quickly and as soon as soon as all of the that admin was taken care of, we could move into the labor room where we started to set up the space, make it more beautiful, more sacred, less medicalized, and provided her with physical and emotional support. And she really enjoyed being on all fours for her labor. So that was on the floor and then on the bed, and eventually pushed a baby out, which is amazing. And <laughs> the doctor was so kind and gave her a long time to push, which was just really wonderful and refreshing because it's not always the case. And there were a few little nicks. And so I managed to make her a whole big batch of padicles. And I'll share the link to how to make padicles, a recipe in the show description. But it's just basically frozen pads and some perennial products. Yeah, so that was really my week, making pads and attending births. <laughs> and setting up sacred birth spaces in hospital yes. environments. And I know that's your superpower. <laughs> and I yes. absolutely love that because it really does change things, the way that you do it. You know, you've got a little bag of tricks with your lead lights and all the things that just make it seem more magical and sacred, as you say. And I know that's, we include that little module in the course as well. Just some yes. very simple tips to set up your birth space, even if you're having a hospital birth, to make it a little bit more warm. And I just inviting. really love it. I just really mm. love doing that, you know. Mm. So apart from being a doula, you also have to be a little bit of an interior decorator. <laughs> <laughs> so Multitasking and multi-skilled. Yes. And it's not just yeah. about you know, making a place look pretty. It's really, it, we're always thinking, how is the space going to impact her hormones, mm. you know? So mm. if you make it beautiful and soft lighting and a space that feels like home and more sacred, then it will impact the hormonal flow. And hopefully, mm. as Michelle O'Don calls it, it will facilitate the love cocktail of hormones to flow. That's what we want. We don't want exactly. It's one of the essential state. ingredients of that cocktail, isn't it? 
Exactly. And speaking about <laughs> oxytocin, yes. in our letter this week. We have indeed. So today's letter is, <laughs> is lovely, actually. So dear Charlene and Karen, just want to say how much I've enjoyed listening to your podcast and knowing that I'm not the only one who worries about things like having a poo when I'm meant to be having a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm probably not alone in worrying about the whole sex thing. Several of my friends have told me that having sex can induce labor, and I'm totally okay with that. But will my midwife or my gynae know that I've had sex when they examine me? I'm just going to leave that right there. Looking forward to hearing your experience. Lots of love, Fran. And then she adds a little PS. I'm still feeling surprisingly frisky, which I did not expect. And my husband has taken to calling me Frisky Fran. <laughs> So frisky, Fran, this one is for oh, you. No. I hope I hope they remember not to use that in public, you know. <laughs> you know, because nicknames can sometimes stick. She has to they have to be careful of that one. <laughs> I mean, to answer the first part of that question, a semen is only about a teaspoon, okay? There's only like a teaspoon or two of semen that actually gets ejaculated and so it's unlikely that they will spot a lot of semen if they do an examination and there are other discharges happening as well mm. during pregnancy so mm. it's not like you can always tell no that things have happened and they shouldn't be doing many vaginal examinations during pregnancy either so that's another point to make on that no, absolutely not. So as you say, there's already so much discharge and so many things that we don't discern from normal discharge and semen. And we're not even looking for that. So no, we wouldn't yes. know. Saying that, if somebody comes into labor or we do an assessment towards the end of pregnancy and labor has begun spontaneously, one of the questions I might ask is when last they had sex or did they have sex and was it sex that maybe induced the labor? Because very often that is the case and it's okay. We're not asking to be like nosy or funny. Yes. Um, it just kind of gives us an indication of what's going on. And there's two reasons, main reasons why sex helps. And one, as you said, is the semen because there's prostaglandin present in there. So that softens the cervix and starts working on the cervix to soften it just exactly like our synthetic prostate do. And the second thing is um, the orgasm causes muscular contractions that might just get labor going. So Yes, because it contracts the uterus. Oxytocin yeah. contracts the uterus. And the oxytocin. And, and oxytocin, yes. Oxytocin yeah. contracts the uterus to get the baby you, out. Exactly. And, you know, orgasm is a big fat rush of oxytocin and endorphins, mm. which are the main ingredients of the love cocktail. That I mean, Michelle I had a, speaks about. Exactly. I have such a funny story about that. I was um, at a birth at hospital and her labor had slowed down considerably. So we had arrived and she was getting nice strong surges. And then as time progressed, about two hours later, after a bath, it had slowed down quite a lot. So we got up moving, started walking around the hospital, still quite erratic the surges and then at one point I suggested well 
there are some natural techniques you can try. <laughs> and so I explained to them that they could go the whole hog, the full Monty, and have actual sex in the, in the labor room. And so they were open to it. In the hospital? In the hospital. And so I placed myself outside the hospital labor room on a chair because, you know, you can't lock those doors. They swing doors. <laughs> so I sat in front of the door like a lady. And the doctor came down the passage and he saw me sitting there and he just rolled his eyes and he said, oh, Charlene, are you serious? And I said, yes. This is what's happening. He knew exactly what was going on. And Which you didn't like, even have to tell him. I didn't he obviously knows him. you well enough to know that that's the kind of thing <laughs> that you're going to get your clients to do. <laughs> and then he just stomped off down the passage. And later, I mean, we didn't need the synthetic oxytocin, which is what would have been offered to get labor moving again. And the surges coordinated and regular but we didn't need that because they had, firstly, there was prostaglandin from the semen, successful ejaculation. And <laughs> in a hospital space, that's why I'm saying that, because it's quite a lot to get your head around, you know, it's having sex totally, in the I mean, I'm so impressed with that couple. That only happened once, though. And then also the oxytocin from sex. And I mentioned this, I think, in the course as well, was if you can't get your head around having sex in the labor room then you can always just do it yourself you know mm. doesn't you mm. don't only need prostaglandin. you can invest in a little vibrator which you take with you to the loo and do the business or just use your fingers exactly. use your fingers exactly well i tell you what that takes the cake for adventurous sex or an adventurous quickie um, yes. And sex on the edge is sex in the hospital labor room. I'm <laughs> so impressed. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. I was proud of them. <laughs> that reminds me. Oh, sorry, this is a little bit off topic, but um, I, I've got to share the story because it just popped into my head. Please I was do. attending a hospital birth once. This is years ago. It was actually in Oman. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> the husband was sitting behind her in the hospital bed and she was kind of like leaning into him and it was really in that transition pushy stage yeah. when they get quite sort of sensitive and she kept on saying stop breathing on me to him <laughs> so he was even though he she wanted him to hold her but she didn't want him to breathe on her so he was kind of like he had his head twisted almost over his shoulder to try and stay away that he didn't oh, breathe sorry. on her but he was still kind of like supporting her from behind i was yes. standing next to her to the right and i was rubbing her leg or at least i thought i was rubbing her leg but actually i was rubbing his leg <laughs> 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 He never said anything. She obviously never noticed. I was sort of like busy with the birth and everything. And only afterwards did they tell me, and he said, <laughs> I spent the, the last 10 minutes of her birth gently rubbing his legs, telling him it's going to be okay. That is funny. So, um, yeah, there was just a story that popped into my head. But let's get back to the, um, the other reasons. Actually, I also kind of want to bring in 
just in general, having sex during pregnancy, because also what sometimes happens is that um, after particularly good session of lovemaking, sometimes there can be a little bit of a breakthrough bleed or a little bit of spotting. Mm. And that can be very worrying for moms, mm. um, depending on the stage of pregnancy. And I think that that's the big thing is, is like, what stage of pregnancy are you at? So you always want to get a second opinion, but always take into account that the whole, the orgasmic contractions can cause a little bit of discharge. So if there's a little bit of blood, it's probably just due to the rupture or some of those tiny, tiny little capillaries in the cervix yes. can break yeah, they, down and cause they that go under. Because they're under pressure from both sides. Exactly. If you're having sex. Yeah. Not that the penis will poke the baby. Because that's mm. often the question. Like, is will I hurt the baby when I'm having sex? You know, the dad's question. But actually, there's so much space. You've got the vulva and then you've got the vagina and there's lots of space. And then only the cervix at the top and your baby is above the cervix. Exactly. So you won't be poking its head. LOL. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a very healthy thing to do during your pregnancy is to have sex, lots of sex, you know, yeah. for connection, emotional connection, because once the baby comes, sometimes there isn't as much time or even the will to have a lot of sex once the baby mm. is there. But that also doesn't mean that you have no sex postpartum. You may have to be a bit more creative in your timing and place where you have in the house. Yeah, I think even in pregnancy, you start begin getting a little bit more creative with your positions as your bulge and bump starts getting in the way. Yes. And, and then, as you say, afterwards, in terms of the timing, you know, that it, it is different, but there's a, a different level of intimacy that comes with sex after birth. In pregnancy also, you don't always have to have penetrative sex. If you don't mm. want to, if that's uncomfortable, it really doesn't have to be that can be non-penetrative. Some women um, experience some pain. And so obviously you're only having sex when you want to, consensual. Mm. And, you know, a bit like Fran said, Frisky Fran, yeah. Um, some women find that they're incredibly turned on and wanting to have way more sex than normal during pregnancy and others are completely turned off by it. Others, it's just the normal. But do expect it to change somewhat in pregnancy purely because of the hormonal influence. Yes, it can induce labor during pregnancy. It's good if your labor slows down during birth and it takes time to get back to what it was postpartum. Mm. Well, there's also just the, the reason it feels different in pregnancy is because the blood flow to the genitals is so much more. I mean, many women even notice how swollen their vulva becomes and how different that looks and feels. And that can increase sensitivity. So that's another reason that sometimes sex can just feel so absolutely fantastic during pregnancy. It's something to look forward to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Which mm. is obviously what's happening with Fran. So Fran, enjoy it. And I really encourage you not to worry about what your midwife or Ghani thinks, because really that's what got the baby in and it's what's going to get the baby out. And there's no yeah. judgment at all if you have had sex. In fact, 
it, it just makes things go so much better. So we, we actively, not actively, but we encourage you to do it. And any questions around it are purely to know what's going on and just give us an idea of, and not always, I mean, it's not something that I would routinely ask, mm. but yeah, it, it certainly does give me a more insight into the labor sometimes. Yes. And what you said, it's what got the baby in and what it's going to also get the baby out. So just to elaborate on what we mean by that is that oxytocin released during orgasm is the same stuff that's released during birth. So oxytocin is released during three main times in a woman's life is during sex and orgasm and always results in this ejection reflex. And then in labor and birth, to eject the baby from the body, and then the placenta, oxytocin, and then breastfeeding to eject milk. I mean, how amazing is that? It's the bonding hormone. So there's no shame in no, talking about sex not. or having sex or <laughs> because it's it's a biological function. And exactly it's what got you into this. I don't want to say mess. It got you into this. It got you into that situation. And we always say that, you know, the sights and sounds and smells of birth are very similar to the sights, sounds and smells of lovemaking. Sure, yeah. And it's exactly. as intimate and as vulnerable in many ways, you know, and mm-hmm. it's as private. And it kind of goes back to you setting up that sacred space or, or anybody setting up a sacred space for the birth. Mm-hmm. It just enhances that whole process. Um, yeah, but certainly, you know, an uninhibited, uninhibited lovemaking is raw and primal, and sometimes even loud. And uninhibited birth exactly. is raw and primal, and sometimes loud. Exactly, the space is conducive to what's happening. So, mm. you, if you, if you have too many lights, too many interruptions, then oxytocin is a very shy hormone, you know, and mm. it goes into hiding. Because, I mean, even when you are having sex, you don't want an audience. I don't know, maybe you do. (laughs) But generally (laughs) speaking, you do not want an audience. And you don't want bright lights. And it's a private, quiet, sweet, loving experience between two people. That's the way that you made the baby. Is generally the way the baby is going to come out. Same, same, same. And the hormones of sex and the hormones of labor, not just oxytocin, are the same if you line them up next to each other. It comes back to a lot of it is about inhibitions, you know. Giving birth is about letting go of inhibitions in many ways. And, you know, women often joke about, oh, by the time I, it was time for me to give birth, I could have been on a rugby field with a stadium of people watching me. I wouldn't have cared. But it goes way yes. beyond that because you need to get to that point. And it's not about having a whole lot of people. It's an incredibly private and intimate event. And you want to choose the people who are there carefully and make sure that you really do have a trusting relationship with them so that you are able to go into that deep level of uninhibited surrender to everything that is happening. And again, it's such, it's such an animal function. Mm. It's embracing that animal side. It comes down to that again. It's just dropping your inhibitions and embracing that animal side of you. <laughs> and in rawr, nature, rawr. animals... Rawr, would, rawr, uh, rawr. 
<laughs> in nature, animals would seek out a quiet and private place, a quiet, dark place. Exactly. So it's always about going back to nature. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so did we answer her whole question? I think so. Do you feel like that? Yeah, I think we've answered that question. Mm, I think so. And if there's anybody else out there, any of our listeners who would like to send us a question, please follow the links in the show notes. You can look at, we've both got a website. We have a Gmail account, relaxintobirthplus at gmail.com. You can send your questions there. Otherwise, just follow the links to our websites. Look at our Facebook pages, Instagram. We're busy on social media. And we'd love yeah, to we'd hear love from to you. Hear from you. And today we are heading off for a photo shoot. I'm excited about that with some preggy bellies and some babies. So that should be really fun. I'm excited to see you later, Karen. Exactly. So watch our social media for those pictures when they come out. Cheers. And for our lovely listeners, we'll see you again next week.